We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Hey, happy 4th of July, guys. It's amazing. Thank you for being in God's house. You know what's awesome? We have sun till like 11 o'clock tonight. The thing I struggle with is staying up late, but I have to drink a lot of coffee to stay up late on the 4th of July because I don't want to miss the fireworks. I'm like early to bed, early to rise, but I will fight because I want to see fireworks and I will see them this year. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. Hey, I'm going to just give you my sermon title right now because I forgot to give it to the last service. They got the point. But it's not the same thing. The title of my sermon today is Let Freedom Ring. Let Freedom Ring. And to celebrate the 4th of July, and because I love memes and I'm a youth guy, I, I got some really cool America memes to show you. So let's start going through those. The first one, I believe, is Ronald Reagan with an RPG on a Velociraptor. Technically, an RPG is a Russian instrument of war, but we're going to let that pass on this one. That's an American picture right there. Go to the next one. Yeah. Inhale freedom, exhale patriotism. This is me to, like, I'm, I'm ready to barbecue. I'm ready to do all the things. I think I put William Wallace in here somewhere, like the Braveheart freedom thing. Not technically American, but that's like, that's powerful. I mean, who didn't cry in Braveheart? Like, I'm sorry. I mean, I cried. All right. I'm just going to tell you. All right. Next one. Last meme. Freedom. Come on, the Freedom Eagle. I love the eagles we have in Montana, man. Every time floating the river, just, just so much. And, and what I wanted to do is try to capture the spirit of, of 4th of July for us and, and what the founding fathers had in mind and really see what the Bible had, had to say about that. Uh, and, and what does scripture say about freedom? Because I, I believe freedom is not a man-made concept. Freedom is a heavenly concept that comes outside of man's wisdom, outside of man's understanding, and outside of man's knowledge. The Bible says that we're slaves to sin, we're born into this world broken. And really, when you see civilizations throughout history, you never see this America experiment. It was something unique, that all men are created equal, and that we have this opportunity to pursue life and liberty and happiness, and we can govern ourselves and and so I believe that that principle is a heavenly principle. And we see it in scripture. I looked through, the Bible has a lot to say about freedom. A lot to say, but one of my favorite books is the book of Galatians because Paul not only really defines what freedom is for the believer, but he defines two traps that we can fall into as Christians that will pull us away from the best that God has for us. Before I jump into that, I want to briefly explain grace and the gospel, as Pastor Lance did during hosting, just so we kind of have a really good starting point. I've got a bunch of verses here. I'm going to fly through them, uh, but I couldn't cut any more out because they're all too good and we need them. So just how we're going to go. I'll talk fast. All right. So, hey, Galatians, right? Paul is writing to this group of people because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And God's grace is God's favor on us, God's unmerited favor, that nothing we do uh, can earn it. It's, it's all based on Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, that if I put my faith and trust in him, I can be saved and accepted by for God, accepted by God without a performance from me, right? Nothing I can do. The Bible says that we're saved apart from works, and Paul's going to talk about that in Galatians 2. So hey, let's jump right into it. Let me grab my notes here. And then we will rock. They got a little out of place, but that's all right. So turn to Galatians chapter 
1. We're going verses 6 through 12. All right, verses 6 through 12. Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, say now, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching another gospel, let them be under God's curse. Then Paul says, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preach to you, this is key, is not of human origin. Remember that freedom we were talking about, not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul's basically laying this thing out and he's saying, look, I don't care what people think about me. I'm giving you what I got from God. You can love me for it. You can hate me for it. But this is the truth. This is the gospel. And man didn't invent it. This is not a man-made creation. You see what happened was the church in Galatia had these new Christians. And then there was Jewish believers who were coming in and trying to add stuff to the gospel. They were basically saying, man, you, you got to start following some Jewish traditions. You got to start following some Jewish customs if you want to be right with God. They were telling people they had to start getting circumcised and all this and, and just start to live in this tradition, right? But what they were doing is they were kind of poisoning the gospel because the gospel is all about freedom and faith. And we don't kind of like that as humans because we like getting credit for stuff sometimes. I kind of like getting credit for stuff. Like I pretend I don't, but I secretly like it. When someone's like, you did, like people are like, dude, you last service, it was so good. And I'm like, oh, glory to God. You know, it's like... But there's a secret part of me that likes it, and it's not my fault. I, it's kind of my fault, but it's like, I, I don't like, there's this thing inside me that's selfish, and, and I have to fight it, right? But we like getting credit for things. We want to earn everything. We don't necessarily like gifts. Guys, we hate it when people help us out, right? I like doing stuff myself. I'm going to get this done. Don't help me. Actually, when it comes to yard work, y'all are welcome at my house. <laughs> you can come help me all you want. But no, we, we want to do it ourselves. We want to uh, be strong and, and, and you know, get all the, all the credit. But the gospel is all about the grace of God. Jesus gets the credit. Jesus gets the credit. Paul's a super direct person, too. Like, I feel like in real life, I wouldn't get along well with Paul because he would hurt my feelings. <laughs> he would say something like, in love, trying to correct me, and it would just, like, crush me and devastate. I'm more like Timothy, raised by mama and grandma, you know? And, and that's just more me. But I'm working on it. I'm up on stage speaking, so that's progress, right? That's progress. But no, Paul, man, he was direct. I would not want to be in his crosshairs. He was just, man, he was bold. He was bold. I think one of the biggest things is he didn't care what people thought about him. He really didn't. Like, he loved people, but he said, man, your opinion really doesn't matter a whole lot to me. And he wasn't trying to be rude. He's just saying, look, you're a flawed human being. Clearly, an infinite, perfect God's opinion of me is more important than your flawed opinion. <laughs> like, I, I love you. I appreciate you. But the opinions of people... Like, they're coming from places of brokenness, false perceptions, all kinds of craziness. So Paul, God wants people who are going to stand for his truth, yes. right? And in, in, in contrary to what the world is doing, contrary to the world's telling you to do. Man, there's a lot of legalistic churches out there. The first tra trap we're going to see that Paul talks about here is legalism. 
Okay, so trap number one that can pull us away from God's purpose is legalism. All right, Galatians chapter two. The apostle Paul confronts Peter because basically Peter was separating himself from the Gentiles. He was hanging out with the Jews again. He was kind of more afraid of what people would think about him because, hey man, the, the Gentiles were supposed to be unclean, right? Paul, he's supposed to be this strict strict uh, Jewish religious background that has uh, no place for compromise. And now he's getting pressure from the other Jewish leaders. Man, why are you sitting with those Gentiles? So he starts separating himself. The Gentiles probably start feeling bad. There's a, like a bad problem going on. It's a big division happening in the church. And as a leader, like this is like 13 years after Jesus left the earth. So you'd figure Peter would know by now, right? I like Peter, man. I like Peter a lot, not just because that's my name, but he, he struggled. And, and you know what? I don't think that's very rare because <laughs> we all struggle. And I don't know, 13 years in, you've been a Christian for a while, you still struggle, you still fall into traps. It, but the thing I love is you read First and Second Peter and there's so much maturity like, like, there's so much wisdom. You read it, he's like a granddad talking to his kids. You read those epistles, he's writing to the churches. And it's like, he, he starts figuring it out. It's just, stay in the process. Don't give up because you fail. Don't give up because you have weaknesses. Just continue. Basically, you're guaranteed victory in the Christian life if you don't quit. What other part of life if, are you 100% guaranteed? Anything, really. My car warranty is terrible. Like... <laughs> Like, here's the thing, too. Like, the secular world never wants to, you know, give God credit for anything. But the second a hailstorm tears your car up, oh, that was God did that, bro. You're on your own. I'm not repairing your car. The insurance companies, man, like, here's the thing. <laughs> Dang insurance companies. Okay. Moving on, moving on, moving on. All right, Galatians chapter two, Paul says this. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I had preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. The apostle Paul had to double check the gospel with these guys because he was unsure that what he was preaching, he just had doubts, right? I think that's incredible. The apostle Paul sees Jesus on the road to Damascus still has doubts. Maybe I'm not preaching. He needs, he needs some help from his friends. He needs some people to speak into his life and say, no, you're preaching the, the gospel. You're good. Keep preaching it, right? But he had, he had an insecurity. He had a doubt. He had a worry. That's crazy to me. I feel like look at the guy like a superhero, you know? But when Cephas came to Antioch, this is what Paul says. That's Peter. I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force the Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? This is more direct Paul stuff. He like calls him out in front of all his friends. You know, it's like, gee, Paul, that was harsh. Like, could have told me that later. But then who are the Jews by birth and are not sinful Gentiles? Knowing that a person, this is 
There's a couple big verses in Galatians. This to me is a key verse in, in the whole book. Uh, he says, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, but because the works of the law, no one will be justified. He says it like three times in a verse and a half that we are saved by faith, not by works, over and over and over again. So when we repeat something, it's important. Because here's the thing, we don't, part of, there's part of our sinful nature that just cannot get that. We cannot get the fact that this is free, that God's heavenly gift for us, it just seems too good to be true. So you're telling me that I'm a broken sinner, right? I, I deserve judgment, I don't deserve God's grace, but because he loves me so much, he made a way. Jesus suffered, died on the cross, rose again. And if I just put my faith and trust in him, I'm saved. Eternal inheritance in heaven, child of God forever. Like that's not of human origin, right? That's not, a, like, like doing stuff makes, like the legalism part makes sense to me. Like do all this stuff, okay? Keep your mouth shut, uh, go suffer, go do, go do this, that. Do all these things, here's this list. You mess up, you do your penance, you know, whatever. That makes sense to me. The gospel doesn't make sense. I'm still figuring it out. But God just keeps wrecking us over and over again as we grow in this process of understanding who he is. But this legalism trap tries to pull us, right? Because we're all been there. Who feels guilty when you fail? Who struggles? Who, 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 how do you look at yourself uh, on a daily basis? Do you wake up in the morning and look at yourself as a failure? Do you look at yourself as a child of God? Do you feel like you have to be perfect for God to accept you? Do you feel like, really briefly in uh, 1 John, he's writing a letter, and really the whole book's about the assurance of your salvation, and he says, uh, I write, I'm going to paraphrase, I write unto you young men, right, because you're strong and you've overcome the evil one, I write unto you fathers, and he's going through like this list, he goes from like young men uh, to full-grown men, to grandfathers. And, and after each group he, he talks to, he says, you've overcome the evil one because you've overcome, you know the word of God and it dwells in you and you've overcome the evil one. And he talks about all these groups, like they're different in maturity levels, but maturity levels, but they've all still overcome, right? So you can't judge your spiritual state with God. You can't judge your spiritual condition necessarily on your performance, necessarily. Because what we do matters, right? We know that. We're going to get into that. But what I'm saying is start to picture yourself how God sees you because I guarantee you God sees you different than you see yourself and God sees you different than other people see you. So I think one of the saddest reasons we could fall into like a legalistic style uh, of Christianity though is, is just trying to please God, right? Like uh, I, I have this wicked combination of Pharisee <laughs> and renegade that somehow just messes with me. Like there's so many, I'm just like, I can be such a perfectionist because I think if I don't measure up, maybe God will abandon me, God will leave me, whatever. But then, then I have this side of me that just is like, whatever, I, I don't care. Send, you know. And in the past, I struggled a lot with self-destructive tendencies uh, and things like that before I really got grounded in who I was in Jesus. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's crazy that I'm even up here talking to you guys right now. Like, crazy. I used to be terrified to speak in public. Now I'm only, well, I'm still terrified. <laughs> it's not too bad. 
Here's the big takeaway from this I want you to get uh, out of legalism. And if we struggle with that, I know we've been to a lot of, uh, I used to go to a church that was very legalistic. It was a lot of pressure, a lot of performance. If you messed up, man, people were on you. And it was just, they just used the word of God like a hammer. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, when you're down, when you're in the dirt, like how many times did you see Jesus just rip people? He ripped the religious people, you know, but the prostitutes, the tax collectors, he had dinner with them. He hung out with them. He loved them. He didn't, yeah, he wanted to change. He wanted them to change. He wanted them to be, uh, have a life that, that is valuable and, and, and worthwhile and full of joy. But he didn't just blast people with it. He, he came in, met them where they were, picked them up and walked alongside of them. No condemnation. So if you've been in a church like that in the past, I know what that feels like. I know that there are certain things that can wound you from that. Um, I just want to let you know, uh, you can heal, you can grow. God has something better for you. All righty. All right, trap number two. Trap number two would be lawlessness. Lawlessness. So we can take grace and we can go two ways with it, right? You can go, okay, we got to add to grace. It can't be free. I got to do more, do more, do more. Then, then we have this, this thing called lawlessness uh, that the Apostle Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, in 5, 13 through 25, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. The flesh is my sinful nature, my sinful desires, uh, anything in me that basically wants to do life apart from God. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty, I mean, I know love's a difficult thing, but that's a pretty simple command. We seem to make Christianity a lot more complicated than it, than it really is. I love theology, I love getting nerdy, but there's circles of theologians and there's just arrogance there. Like there's pride and arrogance and looking down on people. Like that's not what Christianity is about, man. Like there are essentials we have to agree on, but we can still love each other and disagree on some stuff. Isn't that weird? That's super weird. I thought we had to hate each other all the time if we didn't agree or separate because the other people are heretics and things like that. <laughs> hey man, there's essentials and there's non-essentials. Figure out what's essential to you because, man, there ain't no perfect people and we're all, listen, but your best chance to interpret scripture clearly is be full of love and get as close to God's heart as possible. We read the Bible a lot of times like a car manual when it's a love letter. I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't have specific instructions because it does, but we come into stuff and just read and all we see is like judgment, condemnation, ju you know, it, you got to look for God's heart, yeah. right? Filter everything you think you know about God through the cross. Yeah. Filter everything you think you know about Jesus through what he was willing to do for you. Yeah. Can I preach to myself a little bit, even though I probably I think I've been doing that the whole time anyway? <laughs> I, I struggle, I, I struggle here. It's so hard for me to just rest in God's presence. Did you know all the fruits of the Spirit come from a place of rest? Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, forget, what's the next one, forgetfulness? Kindness. <laughs> Self-control, that's a good one. Self-control. So I try to... Uh, 
chocolate cake as much as possible in my life. So I want to talk to you a little about the theology of chocolate cake as my wife brings in self-control into this uh, situation. Is chocolate cake bad or is it good? If someone asks you a question and they're like, is chocolate cake like sinful? How does, as a Christian, would I, would I define that? Because I think we do that with a lot of things as Christians. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't go here. Don't go there, right? Like, because there's certain things even culturally that we think are just maybe off limits or whatever. And, and, and I don't want to hit on that, but I want to, there's some gray areas in the Bible. And I used to go to a tri- strict church that would probably have me like tied to a stake if I said that in public. There's some gray areas. Do you know what that means? What's right for some people may not be right for another person. And then Romans 14 we have, we have freedom, right? But we, we should never do anything that stumbles or hurts. Everything we do should be out of love. Out of love, right? It's not about following the rules. It's about me knowing I'm broken, me knowing I'm jacked up, me knowing God accepts me anyway and going out and loving other people. It's, like, it's easy, but it's so hard because it's hard for us to just let go and let God, cliche, right? That's what you gotta do. It's so hard to just rest and know you're accepted without trying to perform and do, you know? God accepts you, God loves you. Anyway, so we're going through this lawlessness and Paul says in verse 19 that the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who have lived like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When he goes through all these acts of the flesh, uh, all of these things are so destructive, right? Like, I don't know, man, when we run away from God and just do whatever because we think we're worthless or we think God wants nothing to do with us, we're damaging ourselves in, in these sinful desires. And I wonder, is, is it because we, we think less of ourselves than God does? Is it because of something somebody said to me when I was young? You're no good, you're worthless, right? Like, I don't know, we, we seem to gravitate to what we, what we think we deserve. But God has so much more for you than, than, than alcohol and drugs and pornography addictions. And, and the life that Jesus came to give is true, abundant life. All this other stuff is just false. It's, it's a trap. It's a trap. And man, God loves you. It's not just don't sin because it makes God mad and sin's bad. It's, I love you, this is bad for you. I have something better for you, right? It's like telling your kids like, hey, don't touch the stove, it's really hot. And they're like, but it's pretty and shiny and it's glowing orange, I should totally touch that. (laughs) No, don't touch the stove, it's bad for you. Oh, I'm doing whatever I want because I'm a kid and I can do whatever I want. It's, ah, it burns myself. You know, God cares about us. When God puts a boundary up, it's for a reason. You know what I'm saying? So listen, freedom as described in the Bible, is not the ability to do whatever you want. Freedom is the ability to do what you should. 
Do what you should. Freedom's not the ability to do whatever you want, but the ability to do what you should. So we have these two traps, right? Legalism, perform, perform. Lawlessness, do whatever I want. Because if I'm covered and my acts don't matter, my works don't matter, I can do whatever I want. I can sing, go tear it up in the town. Paul said, no, no, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Romans chapter six. Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. No, he said, that's not. And he didn't even like, because sin's bad. He said, that's not who you are. You died to sin. Go be alive in Christ. Live out your new identity. All right. Has anyone ever seen a grizzly bear in the woods? Like, grizzly bear? Was it scary? Because I feel like that would be pretty scary. I saw a black bear once, and uh, that was scary. But bears apparently have two kinds of charges. So I try to follow, like, all the Forest Service regulations on things and be like a, you know, law-abiding good citizen and all that. But so when we hike, I carry my 10 millimeter. It's Glock. It's pretty nice. My wife carries the bear spray. (laughs) I protect her, okay? I'm not just like, you're on your own, lady, with the bear spray. This is is my reasoning. Because you don't know what kind of bear you're going to run into. Is this a bear that wants to kill me? Or is this just a bear eating huckleberries doing his thing? Because there's two kinds of charge. There's like the real charge where the bear charges you and, you know, tears you up, eats you, whatever. And then there's the second kind of charge. It's called a bluff charge. And according to the Forest Service, I'm supposed to know the difference in my, in my use of lethal force versus bear pepper spray. And so I feel like that would be hard for me to discern that. Like, like if it's, you know, adrenaline's pumping. I'm peeing my pants either way. Let's, let's be clear. I'm probably going to shoot the gun, all right? Or if it's like a super windy day, what do you do if it's windy? You're out there hiking 30 mile an hour wind. Bear, oh, bear. Bear spray comes back in your face and then the bear just rips you to pieces. Like that seems terrible. Well, what you want to focus? What's that? I gave it to her, yeah. <laughs> But listen, the enemy is bluff charging you. And I want to I tell you something. The enemy tries to bluff you with performance because the enemy says, you're not doing enough. You should be uncomfortable right now. You've never done enough for God. You'll never do enough in your life. You better start performing right now. You better clean your act up. You better get it together, bro. And then lawlessness is this bluff, right? There's no satisfaction in Jesus. Why would you want to wait till marriage? Why, why would you want to sit around with the people of God. It's a 4th of July, man. You should be out drinking on the river right now. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. He's, he's luring you. He's bluffing you. Because the enemy, the enemy, if you're a believer in Jesus, all he can do is bluff charge you. We give him way too much authority in our lives because we believe lies about ourselves. Me included. Me included. All right, so. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right, so the place that God wants us to be. All right, so we've got legalism, right? We've got this lawlessness or this license uh, to do whatever we want, and both of those are incorrect uh, ways to look at grace. So where's God want us to be? He wants us to be in a place of liberty. God wants us to be in a place of liberty. We read the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such there is no law. Did you know that the fruits of the Spirit 
are unchangeable parts of the character of God. That means that God is, right, we know God's love, right? Love's the motivating factor behind everything God does. Before God sent the flood, the Bible says that God's heart grieved because he made, because he made man and man had turned and, and, and just gotten so corrupted. Everything God does in your life is motivated by love, the good things and the hard things. And as Christians, it's our job to get as close to God's heart as possible and go love other people. And that's it. We don't have to judge them. We don't have to beat people up. Yes, we speak into friends' lives when they're going astray, but everything we should do should be motivated by love as well. So we want to be in this place of liberty. I get to serve. I get to love people because God loves me and has accepted me. I'm free. Go out and serve somebody. Serve each other with gladness, with joy. You can love and serve him. We can be free. Um, Jesus broke some rules. So I, I, I said this in first service. I want you to break some rules. <laughs> I said, can I say that in church? I don't know. That sounds, it sounds bad. But Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, hey, if you guys have a cow, I think it was a cow, that falls into a pit on the Sabbath day, you can just leave it there. Like the law said, don't work on the Sabbath. You know, if you're being a good Jew, you, you, you didn't work, you rested. So, so if I'm going to be so nitpicky about the rules that I walk by this animal created by God that's trapped in a pit and is dying, and I'm like, sorry, Sabbath can't work. You know, like, no, love, love wins. Love overrides rules. And that's what I mean by being a rule breaker. I think uh, we need to get a little messier as Christians need to get in the dirt a little bit. Um, when Jesus healed the blind man, he spit into the dirt and, and rubbed it on his eyes. That was messy. That was pretty dirty. I, I think uh, there's people that maybe uh, other Christians would look down on you for associating with. And I'm not saying you're hanging out with people in the bars. I'm saying, go love people wherever they're at. Who cares if people judge you? I don't care. Every single person has value. Every single person needs the grace of Jesus. Yeah. Bring it to them. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. Hmm. On this day, 1776, Declaration of Independence was signed. And then Nicolas Cage tried to steal it. <laughs> National Treasure. It's a good movie. That was a good movie. He, that, that's, he didn't really do that. That was a Disney movie. Um, but I want you to, to take today, and, and I want you to make a spiritual declaration of independence. And what I mean by that is, I want you to look at the things in your life that are holding you back. Uh, whether it's a destructive pattern of sin, uh, or whether you're just bound by this performance where I wake up every day and I'm already apologizing to God and I haven't even got out of bed yet. That guilt thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, God accepts you in Christ. You are as saved as you're ever going to be. You are a child of God. You are free. You are liberated. You are, you are full of joy. You have an inheritance that is yours. Hey, could the worship team come forward as we wrap this up? I want to tell you a story. In India, they have these elephant trainers. Uh, India elephants are big in India. Get it? The pun? Big. <laughs> but they're also big, like popular. That's why I was saying that. So the listen, 
so they take these baby elephants and they take a rope and tie it to a tree. And the elephant fights it because he doesn't like it. He wants to be free and run and frolic in the safari. Is that where they are? In the fields of tall grass where the elephant roam. And so he, this elephant gets chained to this tree and over time it gets conditioned to stop fighting because it's useless. Like I'm stuck to this tree, this rope's around my neck, no matter what, I'm stuck here, but it gets conditioned so much that full-grown male elephants can be led around just by a stick and a rope. So as the elephant grows, it it, it doesn't even realize how powerful it is. It doesn't realize the freedom it has. It doesn't realize that it can just turn its head and just bail in the other direction, and whoever's holding the rope is either going for a ride or letting go. Some of us get stuck in this, like, spiritual PTSD spiritual type of like you know like a, it's like a Stockholm type syndrome where we've been through abuse uh, we've, we've believed so many lies for so long we're just stuck how could I ever do anything for God because you you know the view you have of yourself I guarantee you the view God has of you is dramatically different than the view you have of yourself I want you to receive the grace of God today I want you to lay down all your insecurities and all your fears and start living how God intended for you to live. Jesus came and died on the cross and did it all so you wouldn't have to worry about the performance part. All you gotta worry about is loving God and loving people. That's it. I don't know if if you you have this desire, these dreams to go serve God, to step into leadership or things like that, and maybe your faults, your failures, your insecurities are holding you back. Maybe you're stuck in this like pattern and it's just been going forever and ever and ever and you can't stop it and you just, you keep fighting it in your own strength and and you don't know why you're not gaining any traction. I would invite you to come sit at the feet of Jesus for a little bit and just be there. Just be there. You don't even have to talk to him. Just sit with Jesus. Let your guard down. And I really think you're going to enjoy the presence of God uh, and who he is, really. We freak out all the time. I tell you something, God's not freaking out. You know? We take these tiny failures and turn them into these giant, devastating, life-altering decisions where God's like, just pick up the pieces and keep moving. Just keep moving. You're guaranteed victory if you just keep moving. Don't give up. Don't quit. So our declaration of spiritual independence today, we're going we're gonna to repeat to each other. I'm going to say a few phrases. You're going to say them back to me, okay? All right. I'm free. Say I'm free. I'm forgiven. I'm accepted. I'm loved. I'm a child of God. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for freedom that is found in you, God. We want to tap into that more. We want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God, and we need your help to do it. God, heal our, our insecurities, God. Heal our, ah, our, our, our just uh, the habits and the things that try to pull us away from you. Can I tell you something right now? If you're in a struggle, that's a good thing. What I mean by it is this. Dead people don't fight. You fighting something, you're alive. And there's a part of you that says, "Uh uh-uh, 
And just because you give in and just because you fail does not mean that, that you're a worthless cause. It doesn't mean that God's done with you. It means that you need to keep going. You need to keep fighting. Take a day off. Life's been hard. I get it. Go get a spa day. Just treat yourself. You know, a parks and rec. Treat yourself. It's okay to go float the river and enjoy God's creation and not worry about all the stupid things we worry about. I would invite the prayer team to come forward. And, and man, God wants to meet you today. If you would just step out in faith and come receive prayer. If you've ever accepted Jesus as your savior, today is the day for you. He, he died on the cross for your sins. He loves you. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. And just dare to believe that God is for you. Do you dare to do that for me? So our prayer teams come forward. I would like to invite you to come forward for prayer. If you need prayer for salvation, come forward. But I, let's, let's give it 30 seconds, a minute or so, a little time. Just let God, let God speak to you. Let's, let's just listen to some music and let God speak to us for a minute. Man, God loves you. It's crazy. Everything we've done, everything, and he still loves us. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Because God is love, and he will always love. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, even though we're like this, you know? It's no big deal. We got God. He's our secure hiding place. He's our security. So as we close, God, God just wants to do something. So take a risk, take a step, come get prayer. God has ministered to me so powerfully through our prayer ministry here. We probably have the best pray, prayer ministry I've ever, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not just bragging, but these people are amazing. Uh, yeah, I'll brag on my church. We have the best prayer ministry. <laughs> so I love you guys and close out in prayer and have some time for ministry. I'm gonna be up here if anybody wants to pray or chat, but we have people here who love you, who wanna pray for you, who wanna see you set free today. Jesus, thank you for freedom. Thank you for your power and your might, God, and the, oh, the mighty power that, that you demonstrated when you raised Jesus from the dead, God, that lives in us. May we tap into that, knowing that it's not on us. All we have to do is be available. Thank you, God, for the underdog. Thank you, God, that you root for the underdogs. God, those people that the world forgets about, you don't forget. If you feel forgotten today, God hasn't forgotten about you. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the rest of our time here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com slash give. Also follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.